Welcome to Star Wars Age of Rebellion. This is an RPG Storytime presentation of a campaign played over several years utilizing all three Star Wars role-playing books by Fantasy Flight Games. This is a grand campaign where everything you hear was decided by players in an epic-scale role-playing and strategy game, then turned into this production that tells the story one chapter at a time with occasional explanations of game mechanics. The episodes are shorter than most gaming podcasts because each session is summarized in the form of a story much like an audiobook. It begins with a small band of agents played by a few role players. As the rebel cell grows, more players are brought in to take on the roles of other operatives heading out on other missions and taking part in various battles. Every choice affects the direction of the story, both for the characters on the mission and for the overall story arc. And the ultimate fate of the Juvex and Senex sectors is up to them. Having saved the pirate Brandon Dobaugh from destruction, the band of rebels has been paid back with information. Back in the days when Dobaugh traded in slaves, he had sold in his sister at an auction on the space station known as The Wheel. The Wheel was a pleasure station where members of all the houses went for entertainment. It was a play lounge of luxury and decadence for those of privilege, and for those without privilege but with connections. There were lower decks where infamous pirates of the underworld gathered and sometimes even rubbed elbows with the elite. Many of the slaves were bought and sold here as well, which made it a logical place for Khaleesi's end to have been sold. Now the Logan's Run rebels had to figure out who she was sold to by breaking into the station's computers. More responsibility was heaped on their shoulders along the way when Alliance Command contacted them and told them to meet with a representative. She knew what Huff looked like, so he was to go to the lounge when he arrived and wait to be contacted. Huff did as told and went to the part of the station with the lounges. The others went as well, but they stayed further away and watched from a distance. He waited at a table with a drink so he didn't seem too out of place. Soon, a woman with short, cropped hair sat down next to him. She was looking everywhere but at him, primarily at his team members who were scattered not so discreetly across the lounge. I see you haven't come alone, she said. Would I be a good commander if I did? The woman got straight to business and said, An Imperial scientist wants to defect. He sent word via the Pike crime family that he's on the station, and he's wishing to defect to the rebellion. He has information regarding a project the Imperials are working on which he can provide us with if we help him get away. And we're the right team for the job, Huff said, pumping up his chest. You're the team who happens to be here right now when he needs extraction, the Alliance officer said. Can you do it? Haven't seen anything we can't handle yet, Huff said confidently. Then lower your voice, and here's the information you need, she said. Dr. Feldspar is on this station with some Imperials. They're spending most of their time at the Sabak tables inside the spider where everyone goes to gamble. These officers bring him along on the pretense of friendship, when in actuality they want him for his mathematical skills to help them win. He knows this, and is using it as an opportunity to get away. Any questions? Yeah, who are the dykes he communicated through? Pikes. They're an underworld organization, and they can be found in the Umber Club with most of the rest of the lower classes. Right. So what sort of equipment can you hook us up with? Huff said. You joined a rebellion, not the rich and powerful, she said. But I'll be here if you need me. She gave him her contact information at the hotel, and they split their separate ways. Huff joined the others, and they determined that the Umber Club would be the best place to start. They could find out who the Pikes were, and whether or not they were trustworthy. The first thing they noticed upon entering the Dark Club was the smell. 
the combined odor of stale liquor, burning death sticks, and other rank substances. And tattered couches adorned the main room. A series of private booths lined one wall, each with a ragged curtain pulled shut. A handful of patrons relaxed at various tables and couches, all lost in their own reveries. One could tell upon sight that they were broken into various cliques based on their individual underworld organizations, or lack thereof, Huff assumed. Rez spotted pirates, scoundrels, and all-around bad guys. His kind of people. Huff found the ones who fit the description of the Pike members and immediately approached them. There were five of them around a single table. He grabbed a chair, slammed it down on the table, and sat down with them. They waited for him to speak, and when he didn't, one of them asked, Do I know you? Nope, but we have friends in common, Huff said. Our friends would like to meet your friends. We need to figure out how to make that happen. A couple of the Pike members knew what Huff was talking about, and a couple did not. One of them leaned over the table and said covertly, You're talking about the scientist? He's on the base now. How badly do you want to find him? Our friends will make it worth your while, Huff said confidently. I'd like to make it worth my money now, the man said. Without hesitation, Huff pulled out a handful of high bill credits and handed a few hundred to each member at the table. They all recoiled, surprised. The one who had leaned across the table then said, The scientist is with a group of Imperials playing at the Sabak table. That much I know, Huff said. What I want to know is more about the others he's with. There are five of them, including your friend. He's dressed much like an ISB agent, but with a longer jacket and no rank insignia. Be careful because there's an actual ISB agent with him that dresses the part. Two others wear the usual Imperial officer outfits with more ribbons of valor than they've actually earned, and one of them wears a loud tourist shirt. Huff asked them more about the situation and they hinted for more money. Hundreds of credits wasn't enough? Huff asked. The one he was asking shrugged, so he tossed him, and only him, a hundred more. The man told him some details about the various parts of the station, but what was most helpful was the information about the offices, the control center, and Zelcom Tower. The offices were where all the information was stored inside the computer network. The control center was where everything throughout the station was handled, though it was always manned, and Zelcom Tower was where all communications and power came into the station. One could manipulate what they wanted from there, but they would have to go outside of the station to do it. That would mean flying around in a spacesuit. Huff did not linger and pretended to be the gangster's friend. When his business was done, he got up and walked away, replacing the chair he had borrowed as he left. He went to Rez, who had been hanging out to the side scanning the club for anyone familiar, suspicious, or who might be watching Huff. Unfortunately, he chose a booth that soon got blocked by a pair of Wookiees who sat at the table in front of him. Hey, down in front! During this, Valina and Enna wandered the station learning what they could. Enna spent some time in the slave trading area, staring at the stage upon which her sister was sold into slavery. She tried to picture it. That strong woman, reduced to being prodded and shown off like a horse to be bought by some lowlife. She saw that it was right next to the area where everyone gambled, playing games and having fun while lives were being bought and sold. It made her sick and made her want to blow up the whole station. Felina, meanwhile, went near the control center and reached out with the force to look inside. She saw all the computers that directly ran the station, but also all the workers who ran them. It would be nearly impossible to accomplish anything in there. But then she reached out to the force to check the offices. There she saw rows of them connected by hallways. Best of all, the employees seemed to be leaving for the evening. 
chances were much greater that those would be empty during several hours than the control center would be. Huff interrupted her concentration with a sudden communique. Valena, meet me back at the hotel room, would you? She did, but she immediately protested. Why would I wear something like that? Because you're sexy. And it seems like all the Imperials at the table are men, so you'll serve as a great distraction. She was silent, but Huff could see it was so she could think of a reason not to do it. So he said, Look, I'll let you pick it out. It just needs to be something that will distract a bunch of horny, drunk men. Fine, she said, and they went shopping. Valena did like something in tight leather that she liked. It would be good for sneaking around in, and it was all black. Best of all, it was expensive, and Huff was to pay for all of it. The sights and sounds of the spider were similar to those of many sabak parlors, with a central pit of card tables surrounded by various electronic games. The establishment was crowded and noisy. The cheers that accompanied winning hands and lucky rolls rang across the room. Valina strutted in, wearing the new outfit. She felt odd and uncomfortable being the center of attention for so many men in the casino. She was used to staying out of sight. Now the mission was the opposite. There were so many people who wanted her attention that she had trouble finding her target until she stopped, closed her eyes, reached out through the force, and found them in the pit near the wall at one end. Felina strode up behind them, still on the higher platform, and slid her legs down into the pit right next to one of the officers while she leaned far over the railings as though watching the game. The officer looked, then did a double take. So did the one next to him. Valina tried not to look at them. It was best to have them chase her. She instead looked at the opposing players. Most of the people at the table were not worth taking note of, but one team member caught her eye in her breath. A chiss woman sat flanked by members of her syndicate. Each of them looked like someone you would not want to mess with. She closed her eyes and looked into the force, and she realized they were part of Darkstar. These were the gangsters they had run into at Borobarossa, the ones who had sworn revenge on them. They would not know Valina, however, not by sight anyway, as long as she didn't give it away by staring at them. So she turned to pretend to notice the man beside her for the first time, and she smiled and began flirting. Huff saw that Valina had turned attention towards herself as much as she was ever going to, so he moved in on the opposite side. As he did, he noticed that when the Imperial card player laid down his card, the negative number turned to a positive just after it touched the table. In the high-tech version of Sabak they were playing, positives and negatives were supposed to stop switching at the moment they hit the table. One of them changing after being laid down implied that some kind of cheating was going on. This was difficult to do, and would require a great scientific mind. Someone like the guy they were trying to get out. Huff stood near him and managed to meet Valina's eyes. He nudged his head toward the scientist, then blinked his eyes. Valina nodded and closed her eyes. She reached into the force and looked inside the scientist's pocket. There, she saw him pushing a button on a small makeshift device. She opened her eyes and nodded. Huff got the hint. The nearest Imperial officer noticed him standing there and said, Are you going to play or just stare? He followed where Huff's eyes had just been, straight to Valina. Huff took the initiative and said, Oh, you're interested in her? The way you were standing there, I wasn't sure if you were going to punch me or kiss me. I think you want some other games, the man said, hinting for Huff to get lost. That's a real pretty uniform you got there, buddy boy, Huff said, getting a little closer. The man pumped out his chest with his row of medals and said, I got this from killing twelve rebel scum. What have you done? You did that all by yourself, huh? 
Huff asked. The attention of most of the table was now on them. Prisoner Waluso scrutinized Huff. She could tell something more was at play here. I just love a man in uniform, Felina blurted. Then she asked the man she was next to, Have you got as many medals as him? He blustered. The one who was confronting Huff had the most, and he turned to her to prove it. The few people who weren't distracted by this soon got their attention dragged to the table when the Imperial's card switched the wrong direction. The scientist had pushed the wrong button and had lost a major hand. Now with everyone's eyes on Valina or the table, Huff made his move. He stumbled toward the scientist and bumped into him, spilling his drink. As he apologized, he slipped a note with a small hand communicator wrapped in it into the man's pocket. The other Imperials grabbed Huff and shoved him away. They hurled insults and threats. Others who had been at the table stood up as well. This reminded the Imperials that any violence they perpetrated would get them removed, and they weren't done making money yet, so one of them shouted for security. There it is, ladies and gentlemen, the mighty Empire calling for security, Huff shouted with a smile on his face. He wanted one of them to hit him. He wanted a chance to begin wailing on them, but they didn't take the bait, so Huff just raised up his hands and walked away. Felina took this opportunity to slink away herself. But as she did, she again noticed Prisno Aluso. Unlike the others who were staring at Huff, the Dark Star Commander was looking right at Valina with a slight smile on her face. She knew they were in cahoots. Unnerved, Valina got away as quickly as she could. As she left, she felt uncomfortable about the way one older man was staring at her. Not just because of the creepy way he glared, there was something else about him. Something familiar. She didn't know what it was, but she didn't stick around to find out. Felina told the others about this when they regrouped at the room. Nothing we can do about that now, Anna said. How do we get the info on my sister? We're here for two purposes, Huff said. Get that info and help the scientists defect. We'll have to do both at the same time since we'll probably be figured out when either of them is done. There are two missions and four of us, so that's two on each mission. Anna and Felina, you'll be set up by the offices so when the power's cut, you can get in. Get the information off the computer and get back out. Rez and I will be at the hotel. The scientist has already made contact with us. He said he'll be alone at 10 o'clock when the others are out celebrating. That's why I chose 10 as the time to cut the power. So we'll go up at that point and get him out. We'll each have only a couple of minutes before they get the power back on, and probably another couple before they know it was us. So we all get back to the ship right away and get out. Everyone understand? Everyone nodded. The hardest part now was to wait until 10. Huff and Rez began their mission by climbing up onto the balcony of the hotel suite where the defector was supposed to be staying. All was quiet. Perhaps too quiet, Huff thought. Quiet works for me, Rez said, and he moved toward the door on the right. Opening it, he found two stormtroopers. Huff rushed forward and shot them down. He then hurried forward and peeked around the corner at another stormtrooper coming toward the commotion. The stormtrooper spotted him and fired, hitting the wall and forcing Huff back. Rez came forward and fired with his pistol. With the stormtrooper now focused on his partner, Huff rushed forward and shot the stormtrooper in the flank. With so much commotion, their time was now limited. Huff covered them while Rez hurried forward and opened the back door. It slid open to reveal Praxis, the defector. Rez hurried forward, but Praxis was shaking his head. I'm afraid you've stepped into a trap, he said. Just then, stormtroopers and their commanders appeared from every corner, converging on their position. Huff was stuck in the middle. He backed up in the corridor with his partner. They were trapped. Only one thing for it. Rez tossed out a couple smoke grenades. The corridor flooded with smoke. Rez managed to weave past the stormtroopers to the left. Praxis maneuvered to the right. The Imperials missed them as they were following the blaster fire still coming from Huff. 
Commander Anmer Madel, in charge of the Imperials, spotted Praxis escaping. Traitor! he shouted, and shot at him, nicking him in the shoulder. Huff rushed the smoke and kicked off the wall to land in the rear of the stormtroopers, shooting one of them with one blaster and an officer with the other. Praxis made a run for the balcony and was cut off by one of the other officers and a scout trooper. Mandel was closing in behind him. He was trapped, but then Rez appeared behind them and shot down the officer. As the scout trooper turned to him, Praxis made his escape. Rez faded toward the edge of the balcony, and as the soldiers went that way, he leaped at the door, opening it. Huff was sprinting his way. One of the troopers got a solid hit on Rez, wounding him severely. But then Huff dashed through, both guns a-blazing, and causing the troopers to pull back for cover. He and Rez then made a run for the balcony and leaped off the edge onto a lower balcony, where all three of them made their escape. At the offices, meanwhile, Valina and Inna were trying to keep it more quiet. Valina had used some of her earlier skills as a commando to get past the locks. Now they were faced with a corridor with a door on the side and a door in front. Valina used her foresight to search for signs of life, but found none. The officers were closed. Inna opened the door to the side and found two droids. Well, I guess they're not life signs, Inna said, and she blasted one of them away. The other began lamely firing back. Their quiet approach now compromised. Felina opened the door at the end of the hall and sliced through the droid with her lightsaber. More droids were summoned, destroying all hope that this would be done quietly. Felina charged the reinforcements, slicing them away. Inna shot down the other sentry droid. She got to Felina's intersection and she was going for the door on the opposite end. This was just as Inna liked it. No need for a disappointment. The next room was the control center. Again, it was manned by droids. Felina charged the one in the center while Inna shot down one of them in the control center pit. The third one marched up the steps, its guns ablazing. But before it could get targeted in on Valina or herself, Inna shot the ambitious droid down. Now they had the whole command center to themselves, admittedly for a short time. Security had certainly been called in by this point. And sure enough, they were. Two squads were coming up the elevator shafts into their area. Their reaction time was suspiciously fast, quicker than should have been physically possible. But little of that was on Inna's mind. Get the info on my sister quick, she said. We have to get out of here. The squads were converging on them, a few combining in the center to make three columns. Inna set herself up behind cover at a control station. She fired at the ones in the center, hoping to pin them down, or at least slow them. Valena completed her data transfer and hurried up to the doorway. Inna was exchanging gunfire, but was holding back until she was ready to make her move. Once Valena was there with the information, Inna did not hesitate. She pushed forward to her right, firing as she went. Valina came in right behind her, chopping away any survivors with a lightsaber. The others were closing in behind them. Inna looked back only enough to get a shot in and slow them down while Valina chopped down the only remaining one present in their way. There would be more soon, so they rushed down the hall. One of the house commanders tried to head them off by firing through an open doorway into their flank, damaging Inna's armor. She turned, took the commander down, and continued on her way leaping into the elevator. The guards blasted at Valina as she followed, straining herself to get inside and shut the door. She knew that the starbase would shut down the elevator shaft so no one could get in or out, so she made their own way out, one that took them through the elevator floor, then through a couple more passages to get them into the general population where they did their best to blend in. Huff and Rez were trying to do the same, but they really couldn't. Any security cameras that saw them knew who they were so their best bet was to get to their ship as fast as possible, which they all did, finding one another in R4 along the way. 
They were able to provide cover for one another as they got to the hangar and took off from the wheel, never to be welcomed back again. This has been an RPG Storytime presentation of Age of Rebellion. Join us next week to hear what happens next. If you'd like to see a visualization of this episode, check out our YouTube channel. The link is in the description. If you'd like to see other things written by the author of this show, you can also find that in the description. Happy gaming, everybody!